0: right, the first reading comes from the book of Revelation. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace and peace to you from the one who is and was and is coming, and from the seven spirits that are before God's throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead, and the ruler of the rulers of the earth. To the one who loves us and freed us from our sins by their blood, who made us a kingdom, Priests to their God and creator to them be glory and power forever and always, amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, including those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. This is so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the God, the one who is and was and is coming, the Almighty. And now a reading from John. Pilate went back into the palace. He summoned Jesus and asked, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own, or have others spoken to you about me? Pilate responded, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your nation and its chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus replied, My kingdom doesn't originate from this world. If it did, my guards would fight so that I wouldn't have been arrested by the Jewish leaders. My kingdom isn't from here. So you are a king? Pilate said. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. I was born and came into the world for this reason, to testify to the truth. Whoever accepts the truth listens to my voice. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, good morning, all. It is good to be with you here. Um, uh, Lots of grace abounds as we begin to um, uh, figure out how to do this hybrid thing. One of the things that I've learned is that I actually can't, I can read this close, but I can't read the monitors that are far away, so I'm going to be doing this until I figure it out. Aging is uh, quite fun, Uh, but it is good to be with you, uh, both in person and seeing some of you, as well as those of you that are still joining us on Zoom um, again, the angles are all going to be a little different as we figure this out, um, but I'm grateful for those who are diving into this uh, new space and new way of being. Uh, and for those of you that have never been able to really join us in person or you're too far to, uh, we are grateful that you are still with us on Zoom. So let's, um, let's before I begin, let's take a, just a word of prayer. Let us pray. Holy gracious God, for the spirit that is in this place, the spirit that guides us, that nurtures us, that prompts us and pushes us and does all the ways in which uh, you move us into the world we give you thanks may you be in this space this morning however and from wherever we may join you let the spirit move in our souls so that we may be transformed people the world is in pain and it is struggling but you have called us to lives of hope love and justice and for this we give you thanks And may that same spirit guide the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, so they're acceptable to you. We pray all this in the name of Christ, and all God's people say, amen. So I, like preachers around the country this weekend, we were rewriting our sermons. We were wondering, in light of everything that's been happening in the world, particularly the verdict on Kyle Rittenhouse what were we going to say today now there are churches throughout the country that are going to say nothing at all because as we know in certain locations and privileges if we did not want to think about what happened in that trial and the ramifications of that and all of the things that that underlie what's going on in our country we probably even in this church wouldn't really have to but yet that's not what we're called to do. We're not, supposed to, we're not called into hiding and being covered and uh, you know, being um, immune from the things that are happening in the world. Because one, there are people in our community and right around us where this decision and everything around it impacts greatly. And two, even if we're not forced into confronting or acknowledging or interacting with what has been going on, that doesn't mean that we don't. This community for years has committed itself to racial justice, has committed itself to fighting injustice in the world, has committed itself to compassion as we walk the streets. Now, I wish it was easy for us to say, here's exactly what we should think about everything that's going on. And that is somewhat easy. There are all the ways to think about what happened. We can talk about vigilantism. We can talk about white allies at a Black Lives Matter movement. We can talk about just inherent racism in the country. But the question for us today, and I, don't, I do not say this very often, but because I chose these passages months ago, and today in a, in a more traditional setting, it's Christ the King Sunday, I will ask us, what would Jesus do? Again, I do not use that phrase very often. I don't wear bracelets. But in many ways, the question for us is really, how does Jesus move in our hearts, minds, and souls during a time in our country and culture that is struggling? During a time in our country and our culture where if we chose not to deal with it, we may not even have to? What would Jesus do in the face of a country that continues to be torn apart What would Jesus do in the face of a people and a community who continually receive messages that their lives do not matter? What would Jesus do in the face of how we treat young people today and how we determine who is a child and who is not? What would Jesus do as we as a people try to figure out how we live lives of justice in the world? We get a clue in this from the part where we hear about in Revelation. I don't preach on Revelation very often. I mean, it's uh, not my prime go-to book, but there are three parts to this first part of Revelation that I think are really important and interesting for us. The first is how we understand who Jesus is in the world. This first part, we're introduced to Jesus as a faithful witness, and that witness, and that how that's translated as often as martyr or being there in compassion, but I think one of the things we understand is that Jesus walks among us, that Jesus is in the midst of who we are as people, and Jesus is, in fact, weeping and struggling along with us. That there isn't this Superman Jesus that's going to sweep in and kind of save the whole thing. It's, it is a Jesus who weeps and mourns and is struggling with Who and and how we are supposed to be with one another. I think that one of the things that we have to be bold about is not only to be standing weeping with those who have been killed, but also standing and weeping with those whose perspectives on the world and another human being have been skewed to hate. You will often hear me talk about the body of Christ can't just be people we agree with. The body of Christ is not simply the people that we um, are are in line with politically, ideologically, theologically. Now, I'm not saying when we think about that that the body of Christ has to come together and have dinner together every night or that I'm going to hang out with people that I, I vehemently disagree with. But what I am saying is that if we stoop to the level of dehumanizing even those who resort to violence, even those who would say that our black brothers and sisters are not worthy, even those who take it upon themselves without being asked to bring guns into a city and defend something that has not been asked to defend, even those who we vehemently disagree with and struggle with what they believe, yes, even they too are part of the body of Christ. And if we lose that, we give up who Jesus calls us to be. Now, I'm not saying that we don't hold people accountable. I'm not saying that we all of a sudden are going to stand in a circle and sing kumbaya and everything is going to be great. What I am saying is that we take the idea that Jesus is humanity is with us, that we take that seriously. That is a prophetic word for the day. It's a prophetic statement to go into the world and say about somebody like Kyle Rittenhouse. 17 years old, being framed as this monster, that the problem isn't that Kyle Rittenhouse, what he believes and thinks is that not all 17-year-olds are treated equally. We know that how he has been perceived as a 17-year-old is different than how African-American men and women are perceived as 17-year-olds. And so we have to be able to hold that tension together and say that all are part of the body of Christ and that we move into our world. As we move through the world, we live that and we believe that every day. Because if we believe that Jesus is a witness and Jesus is present with us, then we have no choice than to see every human being who crosses our paths as part of the body of Christ. Then there's a second part. So there's this humanity of Jesus that comes in. And this question about who is Jesus and this this firstborn of the dead, it's language that is, um, you know, not language that we use here a lot, but it does begin to challenge us to think about are we resurrection people or are we not? Do we believe in some form that even out of death there can be new life, and we can debate bodily resurrection, spiritual resurrection, however you want to frame that word and that idea. But what we do understand is that Jesus calls us to understand that part of his life and death and resurrection was the resurrection part. There's the life, there's the death, and there's the resurrection. And we're reminded over and over again that even out of the worst of our day— the despair and languishing that our world is facing, not just in our country, but as you look in other countries as migrants are moving, as there is war and violence, as there are dictators and authoritarians, as you look at all the pain in the world, do we believe at the core of who we are as followers of Christ that even out of that despair, there can be life? There is no scientific reason to believe any of that. There is no way I can prove to you that this is what happens. It is a choice of faith we make in this one we call Christ. And for me, to choose otherwise is to give up on the goodness of humanity and the goodness of the Spirit that moves us through. And so I choose to believe that even out of despair, whether it's personal, internal, and deeply emotional, or it is a cultural and a global setting of despair, that there can be and will be new life in this very early stage of the book of revelation jesus is with us jesus tells us that we can overcome even the worst and then there's this third small little introduction about being the ruler of rulers the king of kings now in our time as americans you know when we think of kings and kingdoms and royals and all that Most of us these days go to the royals and Meghan and all the people that I don't really know. But, you know, that's kind of where, like, we don't really have, like, we kind of romanticize it. You know, in those days, you saw the the idea of a king was actually not just about ruling, but it was caring for the people. When I talk about the the nature of Christ, and I often will say prophet, priest, and pastor— that is originally prophet, priest, and king, because the king was meant to tend to the people. And so it's no mistake that Revelation says, after this faithful witness in martyrdom, after we understand that there is life after death, that ultimately Jesus tends to our souls, cares for us as individuals and as people, and that if we can do nothing else this day is that we can offer all of that to Christ not saying that this is, this is not an altar call for you to offer your life to Jesus. All this is is about understanding that Christ can tend to our souls. However you may interact with the one we know as Jesus, however you may struggle or scream or cry or laugh or weep or whatever you may be feeling, that we hold all of that together because Christ is amidst and among us. So this faithful witness this one who overcomes death, and this one who tends to our souls is the one we follow. Because if we can't do that boldly, if we can't do that in a way that is different than how others do, if we can't do that in a way that tells a unique story out of our particular tradition and our particular community, then what are we doing? We are not just a club. We are not just a bunch of people who have known each other for a long time and like to hang out. We're not just a bunch of people who come together because we want to see each other's faces. We are those things, but we are not only that at the core of who we are. And we claim to be our followers of Christ. We are in different stages of that journey. But that is our calling as a church, as a congregation as a people who have said over and over again that we pray in the name of Christ. Now, I know that for many of us, this is not the language that we would use as you're hanging out with friends or with people or the Thanksgiving. I do not, if you have never talked about religion out loud, I do not suggest this Thanksgiving you begin just to saying, hey, have you met Jesus? Please don't do that um, But we can walk into those spaces this coming up week knowing that we are all part of the body of Christ. I don't know how many of you are going to be sitting around the table with friends or family or strangers, and you have no idea what is about to happen. You have no idea what people are going to say, what they think, but for some reason, you've decided to gather together. There's going to be different political positions there's going to be different perspectives on what's going on in the world there are going to be family struggles that are going to be unearthed there will just be the tiredness of the day that will be manifest however you need to tap into your belief in christ around that table do so if it is the christ who weeps with you and struggles with you as a community Lean into that Jesus. If it is the Jesus that you need to remember that, oh, even out of this terrible conversation, there is new life, lean into that Jesus. And if it's the Jesus you just need to, be like, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, what's going on? Hold my anger, hold my fear, hold my weeping, hold my mourning, or listen to my laughter. Whatever it may be, lean into that Christ. For today, we do end our ecclesiastical year, and we begin next week in preparation of the birth of Christ, the center of our story, the one who walked among us, the one who lived and died and was resurrected. That's the story we have been told, and that is the story we tell. Let us pray. God, for... Your presence and your spirit in and amongst your people this day, we give you thanks. We ask, O God, that your spirit would continue to move us out of the places that we now sit or stand or recline into the world, professing, living, speaking, praying the movement of Christ in whatever ways we feel called the Christ who is with us, the Christ who conquers death, the Christ who simply holds and tends to our souls. We thank you for this faith journey this day and every day as we continue to follow the one called Jesus. We pray all this in the name of Christ and God's people say, amen. Amen.